Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. This morning, uh, if you're ready to go, uh, we're going to turn today. We're starting a brand new series. Every about three or four weeks, we, we take a big idea and we label it, we name it. I believe a lot of times what you preach on is what you see. I believe what you sing about, you bring about. And oftentimes what you preach about as a pastor, as a church, you start seeing in your community. And uh, I was praying, Rashawn and I have been praying the last couple of weeks. We just came off this series called Revival. And uh, I don't know why, but have you seen anything on the news or anything in the world that just, you ever heard that word impossible? Who's ever heard the word impossible? I just honestly, I, I know there's impossibilities in life. But I don't know, I just felt this as we've been praying lately. I feel like God wants to show the world again that he's the God that can do the impossible. I just feel it deep inside of me. I I feel like picking a fight with that spirit that says God can't do anything powerful. And because of that, we're starting a series called Not Impossible. We're going to call it It's Possible. Anybody believe it's possible? People are saying, well, California's falling apart, but I believe that with God, God can turn it around. It's, it's, I believe that, come on, your marriage might be struggling right now, but with God, come on, it's, it's possible to get things back on track. I mean, maybe you need a miracle in your family and maybe without God, it's not, but with God, it's, I believe the next few weeks, uh, we're going to talk about how stories, factual, historical stories in the Bible that God did the impossible. And whenever you share a story about what God has done, it's called a testimony. A testimony is when you share something in faith, believing that God will do it again. Say with me, do it again. So I want to talk to you today, this morning, as we start this brand new series called uh, It's Possible. And I want to talk to you today on the subject title, Beautiful Moments. Beautiful Moments. If you're new to our church, I'm going to open up to Acts chapter 3. I'll read about 12 or 13 verses. I'll pray. I usually lift up uh, the service, and I usually lift up the Lakers. They need some extra prayers. The average age is 33 years old. Another, another fact. Uh, but today, we're going to open up the Bible, and I want to encourage, you know it's a little bit warm, but I would love it if you would lean in and just stir up your faith this morning. It's funny. I went to a, I went to a Dodger game. I took my daughter on a little date, my 13-year-old, uh, and I took her on a date, and she... Uh, we went to a Dodger game, and, and it's crazy that people lose their minds at sporting events. Have you been to a sporting event? I'm like, do you know these people? People are losing their voice. They've never met that stranger. It's crazy how loud. I mean, I'll be honest. There was a guy behind me shouting obscenities the whole game. I have to admit, some of them were funny. It was a bad night to be an Astros fan at Dodger Stadium. It was the first time they had played since that event happened, right? Jonah, Jonah got my back on this. We were there. And uh, it's crazy. Security had to usher out the Astros fans. These Dodger fans wanted to fight. They were losing their voices, and the Dodgers lost. I'm like, you're losing your voice at a sporting event, and your team lost? And we go to church where we have a God that wins, and we're quiet. I'm like, how is it like that? I want, I want the devil to have to get escorted out with security today at Ocean's Church. I want to give him a black eye, throw a dumpster at him this morning. You guys ready to go? 
So we're going to have a good time today. I want to warn you that most people don't like church because it's boring. Most people don't like church because you learn things that don't apply to your everyday life. And most people, quite frankly, they don't like church because they say that people in the churches are mean, judgmental, and critical. And though there are boring churches, and though there are churches you learn stuff that have no bearing on Monday through Saturday, and though there are churches that have mean Christians because some people are mean, but they were mean before Jesus. I would like to say this. You are not sitting in one of those churches today. We're not boring. We're not mean. And we're going to hear something today that's going to help you live and follow Jesus. Do you believe it? Come on, you can say amen. Give God a hand clap real quick. Come on, hey, he's good. Stir ourselves up. Prime the pump. I do believe there'll be miracles that happen in about 20 minutes. We're going to preach short today. Is that all right? It's like, please, okay. That hurts. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach short. I do feel like last service there were some notable miracles. I can feel it in the atmosphere. God wants to heal. I, I, there's even someone this week that had like a reoccurring heart condition that surfaced, and I pray today that God would touch your heart. Someone that has really severe blood pressure, and it has nothing to do even with your health. You're a healthy person, but your blood pressure is super high, and I feel like today God's going to touch your heart. All right, it's going to be a good day. Y'all ready? I want to pray for my man, uh, my friend Iman, who's uh, fighting right now, and we're going to see some miracles in this church. Do you believe that? So... Open your Bible up, Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read 13 verses, pray, share a story, and give you a, I want to give you this idea today that I believe there's beautiful moments in life, beautiful moments, and this is one of them today uh, that I want to talk about. I want to talk about beautiful moments out of Acts chapter 3. This is incidentally, this is right after the church began. Church was birthed in Acts chapter 2. Jesus was on the scene for three and a half years. He was the world's original youth pastor. He had a group of guys from about 14 years old to about 24, 25 years old. John the Beloved was the youngest. Peter was the oldest. He walked around for three and a half years doing signs and wonders. He was a rabbi living in a van down by the... We'll keep going. He, uh, he dies. He sees miracles, signs, wonders, comes out of the grave. He appears to 500 people for 40 days. He ascends into heaven like Chris Angel, like David Copperfield. Angels show up. They say the same way you saw him leave, he's going to return one day. He said, go into Jerusalem, wait for the gift of the Father. And when he shows up, you'll be endued with power from on high. So about 120 people out of the 500 make it to the upper room. They pray. They're in one accord. The church is born in power. Jesus came into the world quietly in the middle of the night, secretly, and the Holy Spirit came into the upper room violently in a mighty rushing wind. Church was born with a violent, violent demonstration of the presence, the Spirit of God. And it says that right after that, it says everybody's fired up, eating together, eating Chick-fil-A. Christian chicken. Come on, somebody. And uh, not quite, but I'm just trying to make it a little bit more modern day. They're eating together. They're breaking bread. They're studying the Bible. They're going to church. And the first significant miracle out of about 30, uh, 30, 30 major miracles of Jesus, about 35, and there was 80 major miracles in the, in the New Testament, we're going to read about the first major miracle after the church began. You ready? Acts chapter 3. Let's read this together. Peter and John. Say it with me. Peter. And John, they went up together to the temple, to the church at the hour of prayer. It was the ninth hour, 3 p.m. A certain man who was lame from his mother's womb. Say he was born that way. He was born that way. He never walked. He was carried as he was daily. He was laid at the church's gate, a gate called 
beautiful. He sat there begging, asking people for money as they walked into the church. He saw Peter and John about to go into the church. They didn't even make it inside yet. And he began to ask them for money. Fixing his eyes on the lame man with John, Peter said, look at us. Say it with me. Look at us. So the beggar gave him his attention, expecting, keyword, expecting, keyword, expecting. Is there any expectation here today? Expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, I don't have any money on me, my friend. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand. He said that, and then he took him. He took him by the right hand. He lifted him up. And immediately, after he lifted him up, his feet and ankle bones received strength. He began to leap. He stood up. He walked. He entered into the church, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. They knew that was the same guy that used to beg every day at the gate, beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. How many would love it if God would fill Orange County with some of that wonder? Some of that amazement. And what had happened to him. They started speculating it was because of Peter and John being such good Christians. Being morally upright people or being powerful. And his rebuttal was in Acts chapter 3 verse 12. He goes, guys, don't marvel at this. Don't look so intently at us. Though by our own power, our own godliness, this man has been able to walk. He says it was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was Jesus who you deny, that you crucified. It was by his name. And he says in verse 16, faith in his name that this man is made whole. I think Orange County knows the name of Jesus, but many people don't have faith in the name. Have faith that the name has power today to heal. You can know his name, but not have faith in the name. And I believe this morning... That one thing that marked Christianity from the very, very beginning is there was undeniable miracles. The Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, they, they pull them in, which these are the smartest, most affluent, most elite, wealthiest men in the land, 71. The, the, the chief high priest was the leader of the Sanhedrin, and they interrogate Peter, and they say, hey, you need to shut up with that, with that Jesus stuff. You got to stop preaching and teaching in this name. You filled Jerusalem. 85,000 people have heard about Jesus because of what you've been preaching. So you need to be quiet. And it says they could tell they were uneducated, untrained idiots. That's my life verse right there, Acts 4.13. But they, had, they could also tell that they had been with Jesus. In Acts 4.20, the greatest 4.20 in California. It says this. His response was, we cannot but help speak the things that we have seen and tell about the things that we have heard. And here's what I want to bring your attention to. The enemies of Christianity since the very beginning have never been able to deny the miracle power of God. So, I'm going to see some miracles. How many believe some things are going to be possible this week? Luke 1.37 says, with God, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Let's pray this morning. I want to talk to you today about beautiful moments. God, we love you. We thank you that, Lord, in a short period of time, you would do something so significant, so powerful. Would you meet us, whether we're in a doubtful place, we're cynical, we're critical, maybe we're atheist, agnostic, maybe we grew up with a different religion. I pray that this morning, Lord Jesus, you would meet us where we are. I pray if we're full of faith or we have none, that you would fill us up. I pray that we would all leave today going, God is so good. In Jesus' name, God's people said a good old-fashioned.
Come on, say good amen. Amen. I don't know. I'm getting older. I'm 37 now. Look, 36. Praise the Lord. I'm getting more sentimental. I have a 13-year-old and a 6-year-old. My 13-year-old is acting like she's 28. My 6-year-old is like a blender that's missing a lid. I was assembling Legos with my 6-year-old yesterday, which really Legos is just, uh, it's to kids what Ikea is to adults. I think Legos is just practice for Ikea. You got 7,000 pieces. You got inadequate directions, and you got a test of your faith. Usually by the time it's assembled, they don't want it anymore. Just like Ikea. Thanks, Ikea. I, uh, I don't know, though. It was a significant, kind of a special moment. I'm getting more sentimental, assembling these Legos with my daughter. And I don't know. The older you get, you start appreciating. It's funny. Even when you're with older people, like older people just know how to take in all of life moments. It's funny, I'm with my younger friends, we're riding mountain bikes, they don't care about anything except going fast. Yeah. I'm with my older friends, they're like, look at that hawk. <laughs> you just appreciate stuff more. There's moments in life, there's just, it's amazing to me that, that, that there's, there's holy moments, there's, life is really a conglomerate of, of moments. And I've learned that, you know, Instagram, we only usually post our favorite moments, but there's usually low moments between the high moments. I think miracles are the high moments of life. When God shows up in the Old Testament, does miracles. He does some funny miracles too. Can we agree? There are some funny miracles in the Bible. Like God saving the world with a floating zoo. That's wild. You read about, man, like, like God turning water into wine. Like, really, God? I had a joke, but I'll leave, it I'll leave it alone. If you guys knew the stuff that I held back, you would know that I'm funnier than I am. Like, there's a story of Elijah outrunning a chariot in a dress for 15 miles. That's a legit miracle right there. We know that the oil was flowing. The jars of oil kept flowing like the french fries of Red Robin for a while, right? Just bottomless oil crazy miracles you just moments in the bible like like there was a time that they need to pay the irs and jesus told peter hey go catch the first fish that has a gold grill and pay our taxes just wild just crazy crazy miracles in the bible miracles are these high moments these big moments there's i like miracle moments but i, I would say that there, the life has funny moments too i, I don't my wife and i have this phrase uh, we, we heard it in Florida a few weeks ago, a few months ago, and this pastor said, if it's going to be funny later, it's going to be funny now. So we laugh at stuff now. If it's awkward, we're going to laugh about it now. <laughs> Sometimes people say, it's too soon. I'm like, no, it's not. We're going to laugh about it right now. <laughs> you ever have those funny, awkward moments in life? I love the awkward moments of life. Like when you're on the plane and you're trying to figure out whose armrest that is. Can we agree that someone needs to tell the smart engineers from Boeing that human beings don't have 1.5 arms? I was thinking about moments like when you're, uh, I don't know, just funny moments like, like when you wave, when some stranger is waving at you and you're like, is that me? Maybe it's me. And they're more convinced, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I guess I'll go, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. 
And then they start walking closer to you and they blow past you. And they see you last second waving and they're like, who are you, weirdo? Just an awkward moment, man. I've been in those awkward moments before. Those awkward moments when you're talking to someone and you realize they have ear pods in. They're like, I've been talking to you for 20 minutes. This is weird. I've had so many awkward moments in my life. Um, I don't know. I was thinking about even, you know, when I was in school growing up, I think one of the most torturous activities of teachers, how many remember, how many remember a public reading when they played popcorn? That was like the worst game for kids with ADD. I would be like, so like squirrel, you know, they're like Mark. And I'm like, I don't know where we're at. What page are you on? What book are we, what class, what school, what grade am I in? It is crazy how life is full of moments. We're usually rushing the moments, though. We miss moments so often. When we're little kids, we're like, I want to go to school. And you're like, no, you don't. When you get to school, you're like, I want to get out of school. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. You get to junior high, you're like, I want to get to high school. That's where big kids go. So you get to high school, and you're like, this is where little kids are. I want to go to college. And you're like, no, you don't. You don't want to leave home. And then you finally leave home, and you're like, man, I want to go back to home. I miss my mom cooking for me and cleaning for me. And then you realize, you're like, no, I want to get a job so I can pay off these student loans. I'm in a hurry to get a job. So you finally get a job. You start paying the loans off. You're like, you know what I want to do? I want to get married and get more debt. So you get married. You start over. You start getting out of debt. And you're like, you know what we should do? We should get a house. And you get a house. And you're like, you know what we should do? We should fill this house with some kids. So you have some kids. And you're like, we should get some kids out of this house. Let's go send them to school. And you send them to school, you're like, you know what would be good? Let's get these kids out of school. Let's get them married and off of our payroll. So they do. And it's crazy. Your dream job that you were in a hurry to get, you're like, man, I want to retire from this job. I want to golf eight days a week. And then all of a sudden, you're in your 80s, you're in your 90s, and you're like, man, I wish I would go back and not rush those moments. So many moments in life that we're in a hurry to get out of. I was talking to my friend yesterday. He's got... He's got a big family, and he goes, you know, it's funny, Mark. The other day, I was so frustrated. I came home, and there is just like a mountain of shoes at my front door. Yeah. So there's shoes everywhere. I'm like, there's, there's shoes from kids in the neighborhood from six years ago. Just shoes. And I was so ticked. I was tired. I'm worn. I want a clean entryway when I walk into my castle, and I walk into shoes everywhere. And he says, I was getting ready to yell and start complaining to somebody about the shoes, and he said, the Lord spoke to me, he says, the day will come not too far from now that there'll be no shoes. And he said, I want to just enjoy the shoes. I think life is about not missing the moments. I believe miracles are the great crown jewel of life's beautiful moments. Beautiful moments is when God shows up. He doesn't look, I think that, I think that God does, he does take us to mountaintops, but Notice in the Bible that none of these men of God lived on the mountain their whole life. I love those moments that God is so real and the miracles are so obvious and it's undeniable, it's powerful, it's ridiculous, it's totally God. But usually you have that high moment because there's going to be some valleys you'll walk through. And you'll have to look back at that Instagram post to go, man, God has been good to me. I, uh, I was thinking about this man who... It reminded me of Orange County, to be honest with you. This guy is crippled. He was born with no strength and no feeling in his legs. He had paralysis. He, 
He was actually, he spent most of his life in an undisclosed address. Gates don't have addresses. He didn't live in the church. He didn't live in the town. He lived at the gate. I feel like so many people in Orange County, they don't live in God's house. They're not really even fully in the world. They just kind of live in this nebulous place that I believe in God, but I'm not really living fully with him. So many people achieve greatness in their marriages and their businesses here, but it's usually at the expense of neglecting something else. Succeed to be, make millions of dollars, but their kids hate them. Have a, dynamic, have a dynamic business, but a failing marriage. Or have a very vibrant marriage, but have failing faith. And it's like people that live, it's crazy, this paradox that it's the most beautiful gate in Jerusalem, and you have the most dysfunctional man that is actually has no feeling, no strength, and he's actually crippled. And I thought, man, that, that's like Orange County. On the outside, everything is beautiful. But if you start investigating beyond the surface, you will find many people addicted to drugs because they want feeling back. They actually try to numb themselves because they're tired of feeling. You have people that not only deal with issues with feelings, you have people that have no strength. No strength. They pray one time, they pray one prayer, they go to church one moment, they give one offering, and if miracles don't start flowing like waterfalls, they quit. It's crazy to me that they have no strength, no feeling, and quite frankly, we live in the most beautiful place, but even though it's beautiful and the people are beautiful, they don't have self-esteem, but they're beautiful, and it's wild that we live somewhere like this story, that it's beautiful, but you have people that literally are looking for feeling and strength, looking for coordination. This miracle was so vibrant, so powerful. Not only because a man who was 40 years old, that's not one decade, two decades, three decades, four decades of never walking, never running, never playing baseball, never getting married, never working a job, never being independent. His paralysis, his, his primary problem affected all the other areas of his life. And it's so wild that he's lying next to this beautiful gate and you have this brokenness next to this beauty. And I started feeling God's heart for Orange County, that it's beautiful, but there's so much brokenness. And I feel like God wanted to come even in this week and actually give feeling, give strength. And I would say it's beyond strength and feeling. It's God giving us coordination. So many people, man, they, can, they, they, they run, but they're so imbalanced, they end up falling over at some point. And the miracle of Acts chapter 3 wasn't just that miracle, his strength came to his ankles. It's that he learned how to walk in the same moment. You see, if we could do surgery and restore your ankles, we'd still have to do therapy to teach you how to walk. And in this miracle, God didn't just give him feeling and strength. He gave him coordination. And I believe that today, are you hearing me, church, that he is the God that gives strength. He is the God that gives feeling. And he is the God that can give us coordination. I was praying. I just felt this so, so strong in my bones that these two fishermen were walking by. They were going to the church, and it says, at the gate, beautiful. They had a beautiful moment. It was a beautiful moment. I wrote down these four ideas that I believe all miracles, almost every miracle in the Bible is connected to these four big ideas. I want you to write them down today. If Ocean's Church is going to be a church that believes in miracles, is that okay? If it's not, we're going to do it anyways. We're going to be a church that believes God for miracles. I believe that God is a miracle-working God. 
83 at least miracles in the Old Testament, over 80 in the New Testament, 36, 37 of Jesus alone. He is a miracle-working God. It actually says, Jesus said it this way, in, uh, he said in John 14, he said, Surely I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he also will do. Greater works will he do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, because the Father is glorified in the Son. Ask therefore, and I will give it to you. Some say, Mark, do miracles still, you really believe? What if they don't happen? Well, I've learned this. If God answered every one of my prayers, I would be sitting in his seat. My job has never been to manipulate God to do everything that I want. My job is to believe what God has written down and say, God, if it's in your will, I want it in my life. That's what the Bible is. It's 66 books written by 42 authors over 1,600 years in three languages that documents the will of God for his children. The Bible is clear that his desire is to be a God that does beautiful miracles. The gate beautiful, What the first thing that we see is so powerful. And I, I was studying the Bible, and usually the commonality of all the miracles of the Bible is, is wherever there is a miracle, usually you'll find, number one, and we're going to be a church of miracles because, number one, we're going to be a church that values, number one, compassion. Compassion. I think most of the time we miss miracles because we either don't feel what God feels, we don't see what God sees, or quite frankly, we're in a hurry. I wrote a question for every one of my points this morning. I asked God, what does compassion look like? Well, the, the, the Hebrew word for compassion means, it means to have your bowels shredded. It means to have, it's like literally the inside of your intestines are gutted because you feel something that God feels. Peter walked by, he saw a guy that was literally in a broken condition. You know what's funny? Like Orange County, they wanted, he, this guy reached his hand out and said, give me a temporary fix for a permanent problem. That's what we do so much is we want to go to church when our life is broken, but the moment it's fixed temporarily, we're gone again. We go to psychics, we go to mediums, we go to, we go to soothsayers, we look anywhere and everywhere, we put our hands out, we're not in the church, we're not in the town, we're at the gates, we're, we're at these in-between spaces, and we want temporary fixes for our permanent problems. Peter goes, look, I'm not going to give you silver, I'm not going to give you gold, I'm not going to give you what you want today, I'm going to give you what you need forever. And I love this story because he doesn't ask for healing, he commands it. We're going to be a church that sees miracles. We're not, listen to me, prayer is not begging, prayer is believing. Prayer is believing that our God is that ridiculously good. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate the golf clap. Come on, give God a good hand clap if you believe he's good. Compassion, there's he looked at him. He said he, said he looked at him. And, and this is what I've learned about God is when we would look at people and go, God, how can I be the answer to their prayer? I have found in life that anyone that knows about purpose will tell you this. Purpose is discovered in helping other people in their pain. There is something about helping others in their pain that actually soothes your pain. Clinical, diet, clinical uh, psychiatrists will tell you the fastest way out of depression is when you feel depressed, get up and go help somebody else. There is something about taking your eyes off of yourself that has the ability to help you. Kind of sounds like Proverbs to me. It says in Proverbs uh, chapter, uh, chapter 11 verse 25 that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. 
That's wild. Matthew 9, 36, Jesus said he looked at the crowds, and it says that he had compassion. He was moved with compassion. You show me someone that's moved with compassion, I'll show you the, the, the soil of miracles. Churches that have miracles are churches that feel God's heart for the problems of this life. That kid with cancer, it should move your heart. That, that trial that family's going to, it should move your heart. The Bible says to weep with those that weep, to rejoice with those that rejoice. We got to take more responsibility for how other people in our world are feeling. That's the problem. Though. Greed makes you only conscious of your own life. Generosity makes you conscious of the life of those around you. I don't want to just be so blessed myself and watch the world around me burn. I want to involve myself in the needs of the people around me. Say with me, compassion. You show me a miracle in the Bible, I'll show you compassion. I'll show you four friends that felt so sorry for their friends that when the, when the church was full, they're like, we're still getting in. Parking lot's full, that's all right, we'll hike it. Church auditorium packed, that's all right, I know where the ceiling's at. There's a roof, that's all right, I got a hammer. We're going to break through. Because our friend needs Jesus. Compassion. You show me compassion, I will show you miracles. He says, look at me. He saw this guy. He didn't just walk past him. He saw him. Can I ask you this question? Here's the question I have when it comes to compassion. Here's what I want you to write down today. Is am I interruptible? I think quite frankly, we don't see miracles so many times in America. Quite frankly, not because God doesn't want to do them, not because you don't believe in them. It's because so many times we're so driven that we don't have time to be interrupted. I'll be real. Some of the greatest moments of being a pastor happened not when I wanted to be interrupted. It was the moments that I didn't want to be interrupted. It was the moment that I'm like, I just want to be lazy today. I want to chill today. I want to just take a break today. And that was the moment that someone was in need. It's quiet up in the Presbyterian church. I'm going to preach anyways. Say with me, am I interruptible? Most miracles come at inconvenient times. Most miracles. And by the way, notice that the, the miracle didn't happen in the church service. It actually happened before church started. They were on their way to church. They didn't even make it inside of the building yet. And they saw something that God saw. Peter saw. You ever had a moment that you're like, whoa, I don't know why. I just like, I got to talk to that guy. You see that girl over there? I don't know why. I just feel like God, God has something for that girl over there. I feel like if you'll open your heart and say, God, I give you permission to interrupt me. Miracles start happening. All great, beautiful moments start with someone that has a heart that's full of compassion. Second great thing that I've learned about beautiful moments is they don't just happen when people are compassionate. Number two, they happen when people have the right priorities. Here's the question. I, I, I love this idea. They're walking to the church, but what got my attention was is they didn't do the miracle after they prayed. The miracle happened before they started praying in church, which leads me to believe something. They were full before they showed up. Can I, can I, can I snitch on myself right now? I would tell you that when I was growing up in the church, I spent 16 years in Idaho under a great church, under great pastors. And I'll be honest, I would say the majority of the time on Sundays, I showed up empty. I didn't show up full. 
But I will tell you the greatest moments in God's house, when miracles happen, when power showed up, when heaven invaded, is when I showed up to church full, not empty. What would it look like in Orange County if we spent time with God before we got to church? Whoa. That's why we're going to church, preacher. What would it look like if you spent time with God before you spent time with God? Whoa. We need some aspirin after the service. I'm telling you that it's powerful. When I go to the gym, they call it a warm-up. Right? A warm-up is some usually demonic activity. Get your heart at some rate that causes your stomach to want to empty itself. Right? It's called the warm-up. It's like, no, that's the workout. I remember meeting a lady at our church, the first year of our church, an older lady, and she was glowing. I saw her in the lobby, and before church started, she was like radiating. I was like, man, you're glowing today. She said, I had the most amazing morning with Jesus. I was like, whoa, I can tell. She said, my husband was surfing. I'm like, oh, that's stereotypical. (laughs) Guys out there surfing, she's with Jesus. Now, he was enjoying the Lord on some waves. Come on. I, uh, I was thinking about this, though, that great miracles happen when we prioritize filling ourselves. Here's my question for you. Not only are you making time to be interrupted, are you starting your day filling yourself up? I'll tell you, it doesn't take long, but, man, I, would, I, would, I, I dare you. I dare you to wake up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me up? I dare you to throw on a worship song, a hill song, a Chris Tomlin song, some song. And just, come on, lift your hands, close your, in your car, turn your vehicle into a sanctuary. I love you, Lord. And I'll tell you, man, if you would fill yourself up, it is wild to me that when you're compassionate and when you're full, opportunities start showing up. When you're compassionate and when you're full, opportunities start showing up. All of a sudden, oh my gosh, this person's in need. Oh my gosh, this person has an issue. And guess who's ready to help? I love the fact that he was full. How do you know? Because he said, I don't have money today, but I do got something. I've learned, this is going to blow your mind, that you cannot give what you don't have. If you don't have peace, man, you're going to be a poor peace dealer. If you don't have joy, good luck giving it to anybody else. If you don't have authority in your own life, it's going to be hard to offer to anybody else. I've learned that I've only preached things that are working in my own life. I have found that the presence and the anointing of God does not land on anything that's not working in me. So here's what I would tell you this morning is that we got to be a people that go, God, I'm going to ask for me, ask for my life. I want to create space to fill myself up. I want to be someone that has something to offer. You need someone to pray for you? I know Jesus. I don't know calculus. I don't know microbiology. I don't know a lot of things that you smart people around here know. There's, quite frankly, I'm probably one of the most... I'm probably not the... <laughs> you see where I'm going here? But I'll tell you what I do know. I, I've been with him. I know the presence of Jesus. I know when the Holy Spirit shows up. I don't create his power, but I'm telling you, when his, when his flow starts, I can get in his river. I can, I can, man, I can tell you when he starts whispering about someone. I can fill in atmospheres when he's getting ready to shift something. 
I can tell. I, I can tell. I, I can tell you the Henderson family. I can tell that today. Today's gonna be a day that God shifts, almost like the tectonic plates of your marriage, of your family. Something's shifting today. I can feel it. I can feel in these moments. I can. I can feel when the Holy Spirit starts. It's like the. It's like the water gate opens and He starts flowing. Churches are scary when they don't have riverbanks. Those are called flash floods. Flash floods destroy stuff. But when there's riverbanks and there's structure and then the water starts flowing, refreshing. And I love this. When you would open up your heart, how do you get prophetic, Mark? I told business guys this week, I said the easiest way to become a hearer and a seer is to say, God, would you show me how you love that guy? Would you show me how you care about that lady? And what's wild is if you'll open your heart up to see him how God sees him, all of a sudden you'll start feeling what God feels about him. And when you have God feelings about a person, guess what? You start getting God's vocabulary. So wild that God, he'll look past all of the dirt in somebody and he'll find the one gold nugget that's six feet under the surface. That's what the prophetic does. The prophetic will find the gold buried under the dirt. It'll call it to the surface. It'll say, look, dude, I know you're in a season, but I see God mining this out. I see God raising you out of the miry clay. Something's shifting right now. I believe compassion shifts things. Miracle moments. I believe not only compassion, I think it's, it's priorities. God, I'm showing up full. I'm starting off full. I'm coming to work. I'm coming to church. I'm coming to small group. Not empty. I'm coming full. And here's what I know. is wonderful, wonderful, beautiful moments only happen. Hear me clearly. When the atmosphere is right. I don't care how gifted of a preacher you are. If the crowd doesn't want to listen, you can preach till you're blue in the face and the crowd gets nothing. I have found that it has nothing oftentimes to do with me as a preacher. It has everything to do with the hunger of the crowd. It is the atmosphere of the crowd that determines where the service goes. You go to a church service that everyone's sitting there like the, like the cover girl for the book of Lamentations. You go to church where people are like, ah, hurry up, wrap this up. I got some sports to watch. I got some false prophets on CNN and Fox News to listen to. Listen, I got to get out of here. When you are in a hurry... You create an atmosphere that's stifled. But what I've learned is that the atmosphere is red hot. You can cook anything on it. You can cook the devil on a red hot steak. Uh, you, you, red, hot, red hot grill. There is something about an atmosphere that's red hot. The Bible says that he, in James chapter 5 that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, but he prayed earnestly. The word earnestly is the word red hot. He prayed. I don't think it was the volume of his voice. I think it was the heat of his faith. His faith was so stinking red hot. It says that he looked up to the sky. He said, clouds, shut up. Stop raining. Stop, stop coming around these parts. And it said it didn't rain for three years and for six months. His red hot atmosphere, it changed the environment. That's what prayer does. Passionate prayer will change the environment. It didn't rain. The clouds left. He prayed again. It started raining. Red hot environments create atmospheres for God to do the impossible. When I went to a church that didn't see miracles, it's because they didn't value red hot atmospheres. Why do you sing so crazy? You don't even have a good voice. I know. I'm telling you, there's something inside of me that unlocks when I say, God, I don't care what people think. I'm going red hot today. 
I'm not preaching to their faces. I'm preaching to their hearts. I want to be a pastor. I want to feel like a dying man preaching to dying people. I'm going to give everything that I got every week. I love, man, I love just going, I'm going to preach till my underwear wet. Come on, somebody. That's nasty. I believe in a God that does the impossible. Today, today, joke's always inappropriate. Today, I believe that the Lord does beautiful things like Acts 3. Look at us. Chapter 3. I believe it's compassion. I believe it's prioritizing, filling yourself up. It's atmosphere. It says, what the key word was? The lame man, he looked up expecting something. He didn't think he was going to walk, but he expected to get some money. You know what's crazy? His expectation to, to, to get money, God used that little bit of expectation to create an atmosphere. Some of you don't think that you're going to maybe get set free from your drug addiction today, but maybe God can set you free for today. And maybe that little bit of expectation that I'm going to be clean the rest of the day is what God uses to set you free for the rest of your life. We believe in a God, come on, that uses a little bit of expectation to change the atmosphere. Number four is not only did the atmosphere change. Look at me. Look at me, he says. Look at me. Look at us. And he looked at him. I think that the church, when it's full, has the confidence to say to the world, look at us. I'll be honest, man. I think that the, this weird theology in the church the last 20 years, we're just a bunch of broken people. We're just a bunch of messed up, flawed human sinners. We just need the grace of God to army crawl our way in the back door of heaven. I don't think that's the message of Jesus. I, look, I know, we, I know we sin. I know we're not perfect. But the Bible I read calls us saints, not sinners. I don't see anywhere in Scripture Paul is talking about, hey, to the sinners in Corinth, to the sinners in Ephesus, to the sinners in Philippi, he calls us saints. I, I'm not saying we're perfect, but I'm saying that when you get full of God, things begin to change. we got to get rid of this idea that we're going to be broken the rest of our lives. What good is a God that can't get us out of our brokenness? What good is a Savior that can't save us from our vices? I think the divorce rate should be lower in the church than it is outside the church. I think that the drug use should be lower in the church than outside of the church. I think that we should say, hey, I know what you're looking for. Look at us. That's arrogant. Well, well then Paul was arrogant because he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Can I ask you a question? Are you worth following? Here's a scary question. If God reproduced you in Orange County and all 3.2 million people were like you, would we be in revival? Or would we be in drought? I believe that God, listen, here's the good news. I'm throwing rocks. If you're not on red, if you're not red hot today, if your faith is as paralyzed this morning, here's the good news about Jesus. You are one prayer away to saying, God, I'm ready to change. I'm ready for you to correct me, convict me. You can mold. Are you hearing me today? You can shape me. Give me a haircut today. Take off anything you don't like. If you are bold enough to give him permission, he'll change it in a moment. It doesn't take God 60 years to do something. He'll get you to the promised land in 12 days and you stop messing around. Some of you are wandering around the wilderness, not because God can't get you there. It's because you won't fully surrender. Surrender is what's preventing you from actually getting into the promised land quickly. I'm going to create an atmosphere. Look at us. 
Look at us. I have found this to be so true. God, am, is my faith worth reproducing? Is my marriage worth reproducing? Is what my, my family is creating worth reproducing? And if it's not, the greatest leadership axiom ever written, Jesus said it best. He said, follow me. You know what leadership is? It's the idea that we're worth following. Because if you follow us, you're going to end up somewhere godly. I love that Paul was so bold. Or Peter was so bold. He goes, look at us. Hey, hey, look at us. Thought he's going to get some money. He wanted a hand out. I'm not fixing your temporary problem. Let's go to the root today. You don't need a new church. You need God to heal you. You don't need a new, you don't need a new job. You need, you need a new perspective. You don't need a new spouse. You need God to heal your heart from your upbringing, your daddy issues. Let God today come into your life. So many times we're running for something new when God needs to fix something that's old. God, come. God, move. Are you hearing me today? Come Holy Spirit. I'm almost done. Wonderful, beautiful gates is where the atmosphere is red hot. And I believe that it's when, number four, it's when we're persistent. I am shocked at how disciplined people are in Orange County with their money, with their, with their fitness, with their diets. My gosh, I was at Javier's the other night, which I just refinanced my house to pay for that meal. But my gosh, those enchiladas were worth it. Can I get an amen? Hear me. I am shocked at how disciplined people are with their health. I am shocked that they'll work out eight days a week. They, they'll eat super disciplined. They'll stick with it. But they'll come to church one time and be like, well, I prayed for God to do a miracle and it didn't happen the first time I prayed, so God's not real. I'm like, well, I did an ab roller one time. And um, I don't have a six pack. Got more of a keg these days. Actually, I got a six pack. My cans are turned sideways right now. And um, I have found it. Um, it's wild that you're persistent with your health, your fitness, that, man, you'll keep going and going. But with God, oh, it's one and done. It didn't happen one time when I prayed. You gave up after one time? You know, it's funny. We think we have this really unbiblical view of prayer, that prayer is asking God to do something, and if he doesn't do it, it's because it's his will. But it's wild because you read the book of Luke, and Luke talks about this over and over again in chapter 11 and chapter 18. He says, you know what prayer is like? It's like a neighbor that needs something and knocks on the door, and you don't want to get up and, and open the door at night. And the neighbor just keeps banging on the door, and he annoys you so much that eventually, even though you don't want to get out of bed, you get up. You turn the lights on, and you open the door because you kept asking, because you kept seeking, because you kept He's like, you know what prayer is like? It's like a little widow that needed justice from an ungodly judge. And the judge didn't care about her case. And the judge didn't want to give her justice. And the judge didn't fear God. But this little widow came every day to the court and literally said, give me justice. Give me justice. Give me justice. And this little widow wore down a powerful judge. And it says this, it wasn't that the judge was scared of God or, or feared the Lord. It was the fact that this widow wore him down. I don't think prayer is talking God into something. But I'll tell you this, my daughters get their way a lot when they are persistent. Can't tell you how much money I shouldn't have spent 
because my little girls are like, come on, Dad, please, Dad, come on, Dad, you want to do this. Dad, please, I'm telling you, Dad, I need this so bad. I, Dad, Dad, come on, Dad. Dad, I don't want to leave the store. Dad, do we have to leave? Dad, I can't go. I don't want to go until we, Dad, could you please, Dad, I just, I promise I won't ask for Dad, 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 Dad. I'm like, just make it stop. Take it all. Just make it stop. Persistence. Would we be a church that has wonderful, beautiful moments because we don't stop praying for miracles after the first prayer? When our brother, when our son, you know how you, know you pray for sick people? You pray for them like you pray for your own sister. Someone in our church, I don't care if you barely know. I was at a house this week, some new friends of mine walked into the house. I don't know him very well. And I was like, at first I'm like, I'll just kind of play it cool. I'll just pray, you know, pray a pastoral prayer. And I felt something inside of the Holy Spirit said, Mark, I want you to pray like that was your brother. Like it was your dad. Like it was your son. I get tired of churches that are like, you shouldn't pray for miracles. You might disappoint people. Really? If your kid was sick, you wouldn't pray? You, you need to plan on you need to plan on a, on a funeral. I'm not planning no funeral. If it's my family member, we are we're going all the way. We're going triple overtime. I will not stop. I will not quit. I will fast. I will pray. I will bombard heaven. I will charge hell with a with a water gun if I have to. I will not quit. I will not stop until I see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You want a church that quits? You won't like Ocean's Church. You want a church that doesn't pray for miracles? You ain't gonna like us. We're the church you go to when heaven needs to invade. We're gonna see miracles here. We're gonna see signs and wonders here. What God did in Galilee, He still does today on Bank Street. He's come on, if you're gonna stand to your feet, give him a good hand clap and a shout. Miracle work in God. Miracle work in God. I promise you, this is the church you want to go to when you have a dire need. Because we'll fight with you. We'll fight for you. We'll stand with you. We'll keep on bombarding heaven with you. We have a slack feed that, man, this week, man, we had like 500 people praying for our friend that's in the ICU right now. I dare you to stretch your hand. Stretch with your hands towards this direction over here, Kaiser. My friend, Iman, we speak to you in Jesus' name. I pray as I drove around that hospital this week that God not only would Iman get up out of that bed, but I pray that other people next to him, I pray the shadow of Iman would heal other people in that hospital. I pray there'd be a jailbreak in that ward. I pray that God, there'd be so many healings in Irvine that they would, that they would do a study on it. They would say, we've never seen so many miracles in, in Irvine before. I pray that, Lord, you would use this church Use the prayers of this house to spur a healing revival in Orange County. I pray that Iman would get out of that bed. I pray that we'd see him on this stage in no time, sharing the story of the God that heals. Miracle season. Miracle season. Say it's possible. Come on, say it like you mean it. It's possible. I'm telling you that with God, it's possible. Without God, there's impossibilities, but with God, nothing shall be. Turn my monitor up just a little bit. Bible is so clear. How can you be so bold, preacher? Because it says in Matthew 19, 26, Jesus said that with man, this is impossible. 
but he went on he said but with God all things are possible Philippians 4:13 says that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength Matthew 17 20 says that if you have the faith of a mustard seed that you will say to this mountain to move and it'll actually move from here to there and it says and nothing will be impossible for you it says in Job 42 2 he says I know that you can do everything and no purpose of yours can be withheld from you it says in Mark 11:24, therefore I say to you, what things you desire in prayer, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. It goes on, it says in Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power, by your outstretched arm, and there is nothing too hard for you. It says in Romans 8, 31, what more shall we say? If God be for us, who could be against us? Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? We say today, nothing is too hard for you. You can save a prophet with a whale. You can save the world with a floating zoo. You can spare an entire people group through a, a, a prostitute named Rahab. From a from a girl that grew up like Esther, through a young man named Daniel that was a captive. We believe that our God is the God of miracles. You're the God that promotes. You're the God that sets us before kings and queens. You're the God that uses our lives to shake the earth. And I ask you today, Lord, that Lord, this, this church would have undeniable miracles. I even pray, God, the people that don't believe in miracles would have to take notice of the miracles that happen in this church. I pray in Jesus Christ's name that God today you would heal these sick. I pray that you would cleanse those that have diseases. I pray you would liberate those that have addictions. I pray that we would taste and see the Lord is good. You believe he's a miracle worker. I dare you to sing it one time. Come on, sing it one time. Sing it one time. He's a miracle worker. silver and gold I don't have but what I do have I give in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth I pray every cancerous cell online or in these tents 
I curse you at the roots. I pray that this will be a church, that there will be a cancer-free zone. I pray that we'd have documented stories. Let doctors and nurses and x-rays and CAT scans verify that there is still a God that can heal the, heal the sick. I even pray, Lord, for our friend. What's her name? Night, night, what's her? Jade? I pray for Jade today. She's on American Idol. Uh, American's Got Talent. She's fighting for her life right now. I pray right now for you in Jesus' name, Jade. I pray that you would live and not die. I pray you would declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I pray that every cancerous cell in your body right now would be, would, would be cursed at the roots. I pray that nothing but life could live in your body. And I ask today in Jesus' name that the world would take notice that there's still a God that heals the sick. I pray today, Lord, for tumors to be healed. I pray for bumps on bodies to be healed. I pray, Lord, for issues in intestines to be healed. Someone has irritable bowel syndrome. God's healing you today. Someone has ulcers in your stomach. God is healing you today. Someone has a, uh, like a mass or a tumor in your brain. God is healing you today. There's someone that has like, like specks in your eyes. There's like issues in your eyes, little growths in your eyes. God's healing you today. I pray today in Jesus' name. Lyme's disease, you got to go. Yeah, yeah. Autoimmune MS, you got to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. I pray today, Lord, even in Jesus' name, ALS, got to go. I pray, Lord, that people would fly in from around the world to taste the waters of healing that the Spirit of God serves up every single week in this church. We're Ocean's Church because we got some water that's good. We got some clean water that's good. I pray that it'd be like wells of living water. I pray it would be like the river that flows from the throne of heaven. I pray that everyone that drinks of your presence, tastes your sweetness, will be healed from the soles of their feet to the crown of their head. I thank you that you're the God that still does the impossible. I know we went long today, Lord, but we create an atmosphere that you can move. If you need a touch of your body, you need a healing, need a miracle, I want you to lift your hands. Need a healing, need a miracle. Maybe you're barren, haven't been able to have kids yet. Doctors say you'll never have kids. Maybe you just finished a divorce, you've been in an abusive relationship. God's going to heal someone of PTSD. You're not going to be traumatized the rest of your life. God can heal you in a moment. You're not going to replay the tapes that hurt you one time. I believe that God wants to heal you today. Lord, in Jesus' name, eyes closed, heads bowed. If you need a touch from heaven, I want you to lift your hands. Both hands towards heaven. Eyes closed, heads bowed, online. I don't care where you're at. God will, God will meet you on the beach. Meet you in the mountains. I pray, Holy Spirit. Say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, with you, it's possible. Miracles are possible. Heal, touch, restore deliver someone's hands next to you is up if you're a guy with guys girls with girls won't you be favor lay your hand on their shoulder we're a church that believes in the power of prayer put your hands on someone next to you i want you to pray with some faith right now church we're, we're almost done be out of here in three minutes if you're here today you say mark i need a miracle i want oceans all over the room with your hands on someone i want you to pray this with faith say jesus i believe come on oceans jesus i believe that you can do all things. Heal what's sick, revive what's dead, restore what's been stolen, 
and God get all the glory. Mental healing, physical healing, spiritual healing. Today, do it, Lord. Revive according to your word. In Jesus' name, fill them, Holy Spirit. Watch us receive, receive. Just say, fill them, Holy Spirit. That's the presence of God right there. Fill them, Holy Spirit. Fill Molly with courage. Fill her with strength. Yeah, fill, fill this room. Fill, fill calling. Fill the hearts. Fill them. I just think this is miracle season. I label the month of August a miracle month. I pray that signs and wonders would break out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I just think it miracles would break loose. We say it's possible. We say it's possible. Beautiful moments this week. In Jesus' name. You know what's amazing about the story? I didn't even have time to preach it today, but it's crazy that P Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, and then it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen until he actually reaches down. And he grabs him by his hand. I don't know where you are today. I just feel like I'm grabbing it. Listen, sometimes God doesn't grab your weakness. He'll grab what is working. He grabbed the working hand, and he pulled him up by what, he, what was working. And I grab today the part of your mind that does work, and I pull you up in Jesus' name. I love that he spoke the word in faith, but then he did everything in his own power. I'm lifting you up. Sometimes we got to not only stand in faith, we do all that we can do, and then we watch God do all that he can do. I pray today that miracles will break out. Yeah, I pray that someone has like liver failure and God's healing you today. Your liver's coming back online. I pray in Jesus' name that you would do a creative miracle, put a new liver in their body. I pray the doctors that have before and afters and they would scratch their heads and go, we've never seen this before. Miracles. You can do it, Lord. Failing kidneys, I pray you would touch them right now. Someone that had kidney stones even this morning, I pray that God, you would heal them and I pray they never have another kidney stone the rest of their life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Put your hand on your heart right now. All over the room. Can we ask an important question today? Are you living with Jesus and for Him? If you're not, every week at this church, we have about 30 to 70 people give their lives to Jesus every week. If you're here in this service, you say, Mark, I'm not living for Him. Maybe you've never known Him, but you want to. Or maybe you used to be a Christian, but somewhere along the way, you lost your fire. You want your fire back. You want your faith back. You want Jesus to get out of the trunk, out of the back seat or the shotgun seat, and sit in the driver's seat again. I'm going to ask you to be bold today. I'm not going to embarrass you. All I want you to do is raise your hand on the count of three. Eyes closed, heads bowed. We'll be out of here in one minute. Come on, two minutes. All over the room. Mark, I want to give my life back to Jesus. Or for the very first time, I feel God, I sense God, and I want to live for Him. I want the fire that you have. I want, I want the atmosphere in this, in this church to be the atmosphere of my heart. Would you pray for me, preacher? I, I will. I won't embarrass you. I just want you to lift your hands, eyes closed. No one's looking around. Heads bowed. I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. Lord, today, I pray everyone that needs to respond would respond now. One, all over the room. If you're watching online. Two, I want you to write heart online. If you're in the room, raise your hand. Write heart online. Three, would you raise your real high? I want to give my life back to Jesus right here, right now. All over the room. Keep it up. Real high, real high, real high, real high, real high, real high. Real high. I see three, three hands over here. One hand, two hands, 
And over here, keep it up, keep it up. Three hands, four hands. Seven, is that seven? There was seven last service to him. I pray right now in Jesus' name, right now, Jesus' name, even those online, just write heart, H-E-A-R-T. Put your hand on your heart. Oceans, we're done. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Would you fill me with your spirit? Would you heal me? Wash me? Forgive me? And put me back together. Fill me with your life. Lead me from this day forward. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus Christ's name, God's people said amen. Would you give them a good hand clap? I love you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.